1: Well that's it friends, last Sunday Mr. Rogers. I know some of you are heartbroken. I've had some of you say could we just start every service with some Mr. Rogers. Um, No we can't. can't. I mean I guess we could but no we can't. Um, I'm so glad you're here with us this morning. We are wrapping up our series The Art of Neighboring. My name is Weston and if you're visiting with us I'm especially glad that you're here. Um, This has been a great series where we have been talking about being better neighbors, and so whether you're here this morning as a Christ follower, or you're here this morning uh, and you aren't sure what you think about Jesus, I think we can all agree on that idea that we want to be good neighbors, and we want to have good neighbors, and we want to be connected in a strong community network, and that's what we call... Uh, neighboring. And so as we've been through this series, we've talked at first about just sort of defining terms, about what does it mean to to be a neighbor? Who is a neighbor? And we figured out it's the people that live next to us, but it's also the people that work next to us, it's the people that that go to class with us. It's anybody that's close to us. That is uh, who a neighbor is. And Jesus said that we should love our neighbors as ourselves. And so as we think about what does it mean to be a good neighbor? It means to to love those people like we love ourselves and so we said a neighbor is anybody close and so we should treat anybody close like a neighbor Uh, we the next week talked a little bit about how there is only one kind of neighbor you can have and that is an imperfect neighbor can I get an amen to that Uh, the only people that you can neighbor with are imperfect people I'm an imperfect person, and you are an imperfect person, and so we need to lead with humility in our relationships, and that is the best way that we can neighbor with people. Uh, Week three, we talked about the timeless art of, of being helpful and being kind, and how that is actually one of the best things we can do for our spiritual lives, is to be helpful people to those that are around us. Uh, last week we talked about what is it that draws people in and how are people attracted to to Christ and how are people attracted to us and, and what even forms a community and the answer is joy. It's joy that draws people in and, and brings people together and today as we kind of wrap up I want to put all of this together with a, a bit of a crazy uh, idea because as we've looked at these concepts we've we've taken Uh, the teachings of Jesus uh, as sort of the authority for all of these ideas, that Jesus has taught us to be good neighbors. And and at the very beginning, this study wasn't the art of neighboring. It was me simply looking through the Gospels, and, and I was just searching the word neighbor and friend and enemy and brother, and I was just trying to find what does Jesus have to say about neighbors and friends and enemies. And it was through that study that this came together, and, and as I read through that, I thought, you know what? Jesus gave us this teaching, and here's the radical crazy thing, because he thinks that we should do it and can do it and would be blessed if we actually do all of these things. Uh, in other words, Jesus taught this not so that way we would have a really awesome philosophy on neighbors or so that way we could go, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, someday I'm going to do that. Jesus gave us these teachings because he thinks we should put them into practice. How do I know that? Well, Jesus, he tells us that in in Matthew chapter 7. Here's what he he writes, or he, he says, and Matthew writes down for us. It says, so then everyone who hears my words and puts them into practice is like a wise man. He builds his house on the rock. Jesus says, listen, if you take my teachings and you put them into practice, in other words, you do the things that I'm teaching you to do, you are setting yourself up, you're setting your life up, you're building your life on something that will last, not just today, but for eternity. That's what happens when we take Jesus' teaching and put them into practice. Even if the rains come down, even if the waters rise, the winds blow, beat against that house, but it does not fall, it is built on the rock. It is built on the solid teaching and truth of Jesus Christ. But there's another kind of person that listens. And Jesus says this, But everyone who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man. Jesus says, if you hear my words, and you go, wow, that's a beautiful sentiment. Oh, that's a charming idea. Oh, that's a quaint notion. Maybe we should get around to this at some point in time. Jesus says, if you hear my words, but you do not put them into practice, he says, you are like a foolish man. He builds his house on sand. And the rain comes down, and the waters rise, and the wind blow and beat against that house, and it falls with a loud crash. Jesus says, if if you want to essentially have a self-destructing lifestyle, Jesus says, ignore everything that I teach, ignore everything that I say, and your life will be revealed for the foolish kind of life that it is. These are Jesus's words, they're not mine. Jesus gives us these teachings, not so that way we would give something to Him, but rather that we would actually gain something for ourselves, and that is a life that is worth living, a life that is everlasting, and that we would gain as our neighbor, the God of the universe who loves us and created us and who wants to be our friend. You see, Jesus came so that way we could build our neighborhood, not just today, but eternally. Jesus wants us to tell people about Him because He wants us all to experience this kind of radical love and, and, and community and the transforming power uh, that He and He alone can bring. Acts eight, Jesus commissions His followers, that includes us, saying this, He says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in all Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus is telling all of us here today that it is our job to be witnesses of the things that he has done. And yes, that means the things that that he's done in Scripture and that we can read about, but also the things that he's done in my life and the things that he's done in your life. Jesus is telling us that we should share those things with other people that we should tell other people about what He is doing, and, and through the joy as we celebrate what God is doing in our life, that people would be drawn in, and that they would come to know God and, and to build a great neighborhood, not just for today, but for eternity. As I thought about neighborhoods and houses, I started to think about realtors. Um, we got a lot of realtors in Bowling Green, friends. We've got lots of realtors here in our church. And hey, that's great. I love the realtors in our congregation. And, and realtors are, are, are good people. You know, there's nothing, there's nothing bad about the realtors. But the realtors, they're, um, they're savvy. The good ones are savvy. They know how to sell a house because that's how they feed their family, right? And so they've got lots of different tricks. One of my favorite realtor tricks is they get those big name tags that look like billboards. And you can see them coming for like a mile away that's, I love that. I'm thinking about getting one of those for myself, but not as a realtor. Um, I love that trick. But my, favorite, my favorite one, though, is this, is, is the realtor comes, and they'll knock on your door, and he or she will say to you, hey, listen, I've just listed your neighbor's house, the, the Jones or whoever it is that lives next door to you, um, and their house is going for sale, and it's not, it's not listed yet but I wanted to let you know about this because you live right next door. And I thought maybe you would have some ideas of some people that you would want to live next door to. Who do you want to live next to? Because if you can think of some people and they want to buy a house, then you could actually pick your own neighbors. This sounds great. And as a matter of fact, I have done this because we moved out to the country because we didn't want to live next to neighbors. That's why we moved out there. We're just being honest with each other, friends. It's church. This is a safe place. We moved out there, but our our driveway is shared with two other houses that hadn't been built yet. And I started thinking, who do I want to live that close to me? And after I I first said nobody, um, I realized that wasn't an option, I then realized there's a handful of people I want to live that close to me, and we're going to have to do something about this. And so I got real motivated, and I called my parents, and I said, hey, listen, you're looking to buy a house. Why don't you build one right next door to us? Now, we should be honest with each other. We're in church, right? So the idea of having my parents live right next door to us, it it was both like really like maybe a great idea and also a terrifying one. It just, the stakes were high. We did not know how that was going to go. Uh, I mean, we had two sitcoms in our minds that, you know, as possible options. We had Everybody Loves Raymond on this side. You know, that was option one. How is this going to go? It could be like that. Option two was The Waltons, and that was Walton Hill. And so which, which is it going to be? I will. I will t- My parents aren't here, so I can be honest. Um, It ended up being more like the Waltons. It's been a really great experience. The kids love it. We love it. It's fantastic. But I knew that if I was going to have somebody live that close, I wanted it to be somebody that I liked. And as I think about heaven and I think about the fact that, you know, we're going to be living there for a long time, I realize Jesus has given us that same ability. He said, listen, who do you want to live next to you for eternity? Who do you want to be in heaven with you? why don't you invite those people? Why don't you invite them to come and to live in your neighborhood, not just for today, but for forever? Now, listen, this requires some effort. I get that. Jesus implies it when he tells his disciples, listen, you're going to have to go and be my witnesses not just in Jerusalem, but Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. In other words, wherever your neighborhood is, you are supposed to share that gospel. He says, and then once that is shared, he says, you know, maybe it's time for you to move on and to share that gospel. He says, I want everybody to know because I want everybody to have the the ability to choose to be in my kingdom, to be in my neighborhood. And, And I get that it's challenging, but I think it's so important that we be neighborhood builders neighborhood builders now and neighborhood builders for forever. This is why in May we are going to have this crazy neighborhood open house idea. I don't think it's really all that crazy, it just seems kind of crazy, where we're going to invite you, challenge you, equip and empower you to invite your neighborhood to come to your house for like a period of an hour or two with the only purpose of getting to know your neighbor's names. That's it. We don't want you to tell them, well, my church made me do this. We don't want that. We don't want you to be like, you know, our church has services at 8, 9, 15, and 1030. None of that. We we don't want anything from people. We want for them strong communities, strong neighborhoods, good relationships. That's what we're going to do because we believe that helps us build neighborhoods now. But we also want you to build God's neighborhood for forever. And so that will involve you inviting people and, and asking them, hey, have you, have you been to church? You know, have, have you experienced you know, the fact that God loves you? I love how we teach the gospel, the good news to our preschoolers. It's that God loves you, God made you, and Jesus wants to be your friend forever. Friends, that's what we want for people. We don't want anything from them. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christ follower, this isn't a sales pitch that, that I hope you come because I get some sort of like commission, you know, if, if, if you receive you know, Jesus, that's not it. I just want you to experience the amazing love and transforming power that Jesus brings. That's what this is about. One of the things we're going to give you this week and let you do is, is you can take some peeps out. You know, um, it says join your peeps Easter Sunday at BGCC. It's got our service times, website, all that stuff there. Invite people. This is a great, cheesy, goofy, fun kind of way to do that because we believe that God's calling us to build our neighborhoods. I'll put this here so you can look about it and think about it. Um, The service has been brought to you by... but we're giving these out because we want you to have something to remind you to invite people to come and to meet Jesus. All right, so there, there we go. First thing is Jesus has come so we can build our neighborhood today and eternally. Uh, one of the ways we do that is by meeting the temporary needs of those around us while remaining focused on our eternal need. Uh, This is what we mean by investing and inviting in people around us. We want to invest in people with love and kindness and compassion because we care about them as human beings, as, as fellow people that have been created in the image of God. We want what's best for them. And so we also invest in them by inviting them to come and know Jesus Christ. Sometimes we can't, you know, ask that at that moment. Sometimes we can't invite them to that at that moment. And so we simply spend time being good friends, being good family members, brothers and sisters and husbands. Husbands and wives and sons and daughters. It's an investment through being a good listening ear and taking time to talk with somebody that's hurting, by helping somebody with a project, by being kind. And every time we do that, what we're doing, every time we meet the temporary needs of people, we are saying with our actions that those people matter to us, that we love them, and that we want what is absolutely the best for them. And, And that's the thing: sharing the gospel, it's an invitation, it's not an obligation. If you're here this morning, I want you to see that Jesus has come and given us this teaching, that He has come and He has given us His life, and He has given us the Holy Spirit so that way we could invite other people to come and to be part of the amazing neighborhood that we call heaven for forever. Uh, It's very clear that this was Jesus' mission, and as a matter of fact, this was His only mission um, you know, I've taught through the Gospels quite a bit with the different people, and I remember one time I was I was sharing with everybody talking about Jesus's mission. What was Jesus's mission? And I said, you know, Jesus left more people unhealed than he healed. He attended more funerals than he did resurrection parties. Um, but Jesus was constantly proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of heaven because that was his mission. And that blows some people's minds because they're like, well, didn't Jesus like heal everybody? Didn't Jesus like raise everybody from the dead? Didn't Jesus do like? All those things, for everybody that he ran into, well, the Gospels tell us all those stories, but we know that there were still people that died during that time. We know there's still people that were sick during that time. Jesus didn't get to all those things, but everywhere he went, he told the good news of the kingdom of God. Uh, as a matter of fact, a very interesting uh, account of Jesus' life shows up in Mark chapter 1. Jesus is there in a town called Capernaum, and he has uh, healed some people, he has done some amazing miracles, and he gains quite a following. And everybody from Capernaum in the county and the surrounding villages are flocking to Jesus so that way he would heal them. And the disciples, this is sort of early in Jesus' ministry, and they're thinking, well, why don't we set up like a giant clinic here, you know, like Jesus and the Twelve Associates, you know, that was kind of the maybe the practice name, and, and we'll have people come, and we'll heal them, and, you know, we'll make a big name for ourselves, and it'll be an amazing thing. And so Jesus, he leaves one morning early to go pray, and the disciples are looking for Jesus because the people are looking for Jesus, and they're like, Jesus, the whole town's come out for you, Let's let's get back to the clinic, let's start healing some people, and here's what he says. Jesus says, let us go on. Let us go on to the neighboring towns. He's, in other words, let's leave. He says, why? So that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. Jesus says, listen, I have compassion for these folks and their temporary needs, but there is an eternal need that we all share, and that is the need to know the good news of the kingdom of God. And friends, as a church, we've got to remember that that is our primary call to proclaim the good news. We might do a, a, you know, we might start a thousand really great, you know, ministries and outreaches and missions kinds of things here. You know, we, we might, you know, do room in the inn every night of the week. We might, you know, serve meals every Saturday. We might do all of those things, and those would be really, really amazing, great things, but they would never be our primary mission. Our primary mission is always to tell people that God has made them, that God loves them, and that Jesus wants to be their friend forever. That God wants them to be in His neighborhood forever. That Jesus is asking all of us, won't you be my neighbor? Won't you be my neighbor? That's what we're called to do, is invite people to do that. And we do that as we use our temporary positions of influence to build a strong, eternal position. We've got to use whatever resources have been put into our hands and into our lives so that way we could build a strong eternal position, an eternal neighborhood, whatever words you want to use there. Now, in one of Jesus' most perplexing parables, this is one that most people don't like. If if we were going to take a vote on, like, which parable would you like to vote out of the Bible, it's probably Luke 16. You get the parable here of, uh, the, the English version usually puts a heading up there, something like the parable of the dishonest manager. Sometimes they'll put the parable of the shrewd manager up there. We don't have time this morning to get into the intricacies, intricacies of this parable, although I happen to really love this parable. Maybe one day I'll preach on this parable. Um, but here's in a thumbnail sketch, how this parable goes. There is a man who gets fired from his job because he has not handled his uh, his boss's you know materials well. he's been a little shady, a little shrewd, maybe he's been uh, you know self benefiting uh, from his master's resources and so the master finds out about this, and he fires him. But before you know security can escort him from the building the the manager gets on the phone uh. Uh, several of the vendors that work with the master and at the master's expense he cuts a deal with all of them and in so doing he secures for himself a place to go after he loses his job now today you know we we've got mixed feelings about all of this but here's here's the moral of the story jesus likes to tell these kind of shocking stories and here's what he says he says i tell you make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth I just want to pause for a second. Jesus isn't saying you should make dishonest wealth, like you know, go out and engage in black market kinds of activities to you know, make a little, you know, have an illegal side hustle. He's not saying that. That's not what he's encouraging. He's just talking about wealth in general. He's saying wealth is sort of the currency of this world. He says, so make use of the currency of this world so that way uh, when it is gone, others may welcome you into the eternal homes. What Jesus is saying this is that we should use whatever resources we have right now in this life to make sure that we are investing them for eternity with Him. In other words, we've got to use whatever position or advantage we have for the kingdom of God. So if you're here this morning and you've been blessed with a lot of good friends, then share the gospel with those friends. If this morning you are here and you're blessed by being able to, to go to school, share the good news with the folks you go to school with. If this morning you're blessed with a job, share the gospel with the folks that are there. If this morning you're blessed by you know, being in a, uh, you know, a neighborhood, share the gospel there. We've got to, to use what we've got to further the kingdom of God. Uh, one guy took this pretty seriously, uh, Paul Borthwick, a uh, big missions guy, uh, writes in a book, Western Christians and Global Mission, uh, talks about a, a gentleman who had attended a, a conference and, and started hearing about how Christian business leaders were trying to use their influence to uh, to do things that they felt Jesus wanted them to do. And so this one businessman heard about this, and he was an executive, a, a purchasing executive for a company uh, that had uh, you know a, a clothing shop there on Fifth Avenue, in New York and and here's what happened he was the buyer for this company and and they had a factory in Madagascar and he was looking at the numbers and looking at what they bought it for and and looking what they sold it for and and this is what this is what they figured out they were buying the jeans for a dollar a pair from Madagascar, and then they would put them on the shelf on Fifth Avenue uh, with a price tag of four hundred dollars. Okay, so a dollar to four hundred. There you go. You do the math on that. It's a pretty healthy markup. Uh, and so the, the 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 Christian businessman, who's an executive in this company, he thought, well, what would it cost for us to do better by the people in Madagascar? And so he called the, the liaison for the factory in Madagascar and he said, Hey, listen, here's what I'd like to see. What if we paid the kids, you know, of the, of the workers? What if we paid their tuition for the school? What if we improved sanitation there? Uh, what if we paid them a little bit better wage? And um, what if we gave them more reasonable hours? And let's, let's price in healthcare too. So these were sort of five things he asked them to do at the Madagascar factory. And he said, what would the cost difference between what we pay now for the genes versus if we did all those things for the employees? What, what would the cost difference be? Liaison gets back to him in a couple of days and calls and says, hey, listen, he said, I'm really, really sorry. You know, we'd love to be able to do that. He said, but, you know, we would have to quadruple the price of the gene to make that possible. So do the math with me real quick. We go from a dollar times four. That's what quadruple means. Don't worry, my wife is the mathematician. I have to ask her all these things. So one times four is four. So the jeans went up to $4, but they were still selling them for 400 which I think, I'm no businessman, is still a pretty healthy profit margin. And this executive said, you know what? I think we could handle that. And turns around and raises the price on themselves because they felt that that's what God would want them to do to take care of the folks there in Madagascar. Now, as I look out here this morning, I know none of you are, are buying jeans uh, and selling them for $400 a pair. I Gosh, I hope, I, I really sort of hope not. Uh, maybe you are. Maybe that's that's your thing. But if I'm right, I suspect that's not who you are. And you're going, I don't have the capacity to change a village in Madagascar. Yeah, I I get that. That, Me neither. But there, there are things we can each do. You know, we have different positions. We have different villages, if you will. We have different neighborhoods where we can exert power and influence in a positive way to expand the kingdom of God. Whether that's in your physical neighborhood or, or whether that's for the, you know, the, the, the kids that are on your, your kids' baseball or soccer team. You know, it, it might be for the people in your workplace or your PTO. It might be the places where you shop and everybody knows you by name. It, it might be the friends you golf with. Here's the thing whatever your position is, God wants you to use that to build up his neighborhood for eternity. And some of us might be going, well, it's not a real big difference. Ah, It feels that way sometimes. And, And as I thought about that, I thought about a guy by the name of Andrew. We run into him in John's gospel. And John is recording for us the very first disciples that come to meet Jesus. And one of them is named Andrew. Andrew has an encounter with Jesus Christ, and in this short encounter, we don't have a lot of it recorded, it literally changes his life. And Andrew starts to see Jesus for who he is, and he starts to think, this is the Messiah that we've all been waiting for. And the very first thing that Andrew does is he runs and he grabs one other person, and that is his brother Simon. And he says, Simon, I want you to meet this guy. His name is Jesus. I think he's the Messiah. I think he's the one we've been waiting for. And so Simon goes with Andrew. He follows him, you know, he's, influenced by, he's influenced by Andrew and he goes to meet Jesus and Jesus changes Simon's life and he changes his name from Simon to Peter. And Peter on the very first day when Christians gathered after the resurrection for worship, he preaches a sermon and Peter, he shares the story about Jesus Christ and what he's done and 3,000 people come to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior that day from Peter's sermon. But where would those 3,000 people have been if Andrew hadn't gone to get his brother and says, you know what, I don't have a lot of influence, but I know one person I could influence. And I think Simon needs to meet Jesus. Friends, that's, I think, all of our stories. We have got one person, two people, maybe three people that we can go and invest and invite to come to meet Jesus. And so this morning as we sing this song, perhaps some of you are here this morning and you have never met Jesus Christ and and you've never heard the good news that Jesus loves you and He made you and He wants to be your friend forever and He wants you to be His neighbor. And if that's the case, man, we want you to come forward this morning to receive that amazing gift of of an eternal membership in, in God's neighborhood where the HOA fees are really, really great. And friends, if you're here this morning and you have accepted Christ, and maybe this is like your 3,000th Sunday in church, man, that's great. I'm happy for you. But as we sing the song and we think about what it is that God wants to draw people in, that God wants us to build our neighborhoods today and forever, let us be prayerfully committing ourselves to this idea that we would invite, we would invest in those around us, that we would be great neighbors so that way we could build up our neighborhoods, not just for today, but for eternity.